Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. a little bit today from Working with the Law by Raymond Hollywell, because I think this is one of the most misunderstood, and for many, it's not that it's a difficult concept, but it this concept really butts right up against people's belief systems as far as how we have been taught to engage with money, to use money, and the deep, deep-seated belief for for most people that uh, money is a is a a resource in lack that it's it's hard to get it's hard to keep uh, it drives people constantly looking for bargains waiting for sales cutting out coupons uh, seriously just not understanding money. And Hollywell said something that I i don't think I've ever read this anywhere else, especially not in the way that he put it. And uh, also, the, the if, you're, if you want to know what chapter I'm coming from, it's the law of receiving. He said, money came into form to fill the need for exchange. And on that purpose, it is all intent. Let our attitude toward it be what it may, money will remain true to its nature as long as it's needed by its master, which are people. If we fail to pay full value in an exchange, we fail to understand the prospering law back of the idea. And This is the part that people just don't get. And it's not like that's a complicated thing to read or to hear. But I have watched, I don't think there's anything that I have taught in a, in a room of live individuals. When I start to get into this topic, people's minds go freaking crazy. Like the, the blind spots, they can't think. It makes no sense. It's unbelievably confusing. The idea of money, the, the way money is uh, in our world, the way that it came to be, if you look at the reason behind it, which is exactly what Hollywell is saying, he's pointing out that it came into being to allow everybody to be able to share in prosperity. Here's one of the reasons for this. Um, prior to money, as we know it, we traded, we bartered, right? We traded things and we tried to come up of things with things of equal value. But if, you know, if I needed, um, you know, I don't know, pottery, and the only thing that I had to trade for it was chickens and you didn't need chickens, we don't have a trade. So now you're not getting what you want, and need, and I'm not getting what I want and need. So when something like money comes into the picture, it allows everybody to then begin to trade again 
on an equal footing so that everybody can get what they need. However, if you're coming from the place where you don't want to give full value in trade for the intent behind money to begin with, you're going against the laws of prosperity, completely against the laws of prosperity. You're not trading in the spirit of abundance when you're paying for something. You're trading in the spirit of lack, of not enough. And, of course, this idea comes from the, the, the experience that people have where they're not making a lot of money and they don't know how to make a lot of money. So they act as if their situation is the only truth that there is, that there's not enough. I don't have enough, so I can't give enough. But, it's, but it completely, from an energetic perspective, goes totally against all the, all the laws of, of prosperity. You shut down based on what your eyes see. And listen, if there's anything that we've read over and over again from many different books that I've gone through this year, so many different authors have said, do not let the apparent lack of something in your environment control the way that you think where you believe that there's a lack. And when we went through U squared in the very beginning, Price Pritchett said absence of evidence is not evidence of its absence. So when we make those decisions, we have to come from a higher knowledge. We have to come from a higher understanding, a higher truth as to how it works. Because there's really, there's really only two ways for a person to make a lot of money, and one of them is very difficult. And the, the difficult way is that they have, to, they have to be kind of ruthless in how they deal with money and how they deal with the things that, that they're purchasing and they're selling. That, that does something that Waddles talked about in The Science of Getting Rich that really creates a major problem, and that is when we're hyper-engaged in the idea of competition. Now, I will say this, though. Some industries have developed based on that idea. So if you say, well, does that mean that I should never compete? Well, that really depends on what game you're playing. If you're in something where the rules of that thing are competition, I mean, look at sports, look at football. It's based on the idea of competition. It's based on that idea. If you engage in an industry that's based on the idea of competition, you're basically forced to go along with that idea, with that rule. If there's any way for you to change that, if there's any way of, for you to increase the value of what you have, or get people to see an increased value in what they're purchasing, you no longer have to go along with that rule. But with some things, it's almost impossible. You know, like if, if the things that you're selling are a commodity, like when I was in the petroleum industry, gas and diesel fuel is a commodity. And it basically costs everybody the same to make it. Uh, and it costs everybody the same to deliver it based on the different areas of where you are. So the only way, the only way to compete is to take less, to take less for yourself in hopes that you can sell more and make up the less that you're, that you're selling. That's the, that's the deal. I mean, when I was in that industry, 
we used to say, you know, a half a cent a gallon is the best deal in town. In other words, if somebody cut their price a half a cent a gallon, you were getting an unbelievable deal. But you have to buy millions of gallons of that product in order to see a substantial savings on the end of the purchaser, you know? So if we, well, I'll just tell you what I, what I did. As I began to learn this, I began to think to myself, okay, what if I decided no more looking for deals? No more looking for bargains. No more, no more waiting for a sale. No more cutting out coupons. If I wanted something, buy it. Pay full, pay full price for it, right? Um, don't, don't get involved in the idea that you, you know, you're going to go to this store and this store and this store, and you're going to see if you can find it for twenty bucks cheaper. Because in most cases, anyway, the time that you spend looking for something cheaper really does not make up. Like you could have made way more money in that time than saving the 20 bucks that you're saving or spending a Sunday morning cutting coupons uh, out, of a, out of a newspaper so that you can save $40 at the grocery store or whatever. I mean, it's a ridiculous concept when you really think about it. But it's not ridiculous to somebody who's on a fixed income. Because they have to make every dollar count. I mean, every dollar is so vitally important to somebody who's on a fixed income, especially if like they have a family and stuff. How are they going to make it with the few dollars they make? I know what that's like. I was there for a long period of time. But there's another answer to the other side of this. What if I begin to master the principles of, of money in abundance by being willing to do the things based on cause and effect that will allow me to bring in whatever amount of money I can make. And I thought, okay, I ha it's not just do one because that's incorrect. You can't, if you're in a fixed income and, and you're not going to, if you're, you're not going to do those things that people do in trying to save money, and spend less on things. Um, and it's really, really, a, a, you know, necessary. If you're not going to go out and make more money, then that's ridiculous. You, you'll go broke. You'll go bankrupt. You'll consistently overspend, and you have no way of making any more money because you're ignorant to the idea of how to actually make more money. But if you learn how to do that, if you learn how to do both things, then the whole principle behind everything that you're doing begins to change. Because you know that you don't have to deny yourself something that you want because you don't have enough. You can just go out and earn it. Now, here's where this starts to get confusing because people will say to me, well, what about managing money? What about budgets? Managing money in budgets is to increase your wealth. It is not there to increase your safety or because you don't have enough. It's two totally very different things, right? It's not that a person will stop themselves from going out and getting something that they want because they don't have enough. They know that they can earn it to get whatever it is that they actually want, and they don't have to live on that principle that I need to save everything for a rainy day because I don't have enough. So let's think about, let's think about this. 
money touches everything that we do. Everything has a financial perspective to it. And it, when you really start to focus and pay attention and really, really think about this, most people do not get to live the life that they truly want to live because they can't afford it. Now, the truth is they can, but they're ignorant to that idea and they don't know how, so they live in the reality of they can't afford it. But think about the things that people deny themselves because they can't afford something. They literally create a block that they have no idea that they're creating because when a person begins to live that way, I mean, let's face it, most people are are raised that way. They don't know any other way. But what ends up happening is they deny themselves the experiences of life that are attached to abundance. And they're forcing their mind to look at this reality that they experience, this truth that they experience, which is that there's lack. There's not enough. So they're not having abundant experiences as they go through their life. They're having lack experiences. And then they create the stories and the superstitions to go along with those experiences. And those, and those stories and superstitions really verify in their mind that there is a lack, that they have to drive a sharp bargain, that you know there's people out there that are trying to screw them. Uh, they don't have enough money. What are they going to do when they get older? What are they going to do if they can't if they can't earn money anymore? The, the they get enraged when the government talks about raising taxes. Like it it just gets it becomes nuttier and nuttier and nuttier. The more you start to go down that path, when you start to think about pulling yourself out of that ideology, you realize that. There's something that goes along with it, and that's freedom. Freedom to be who you are, to experience what you want, to give yourself abundant experiences, and to be free of the decisions of other people for the most part. For the most part. I understand that people that live in countries that have a totalitarian regime that's running the country or whatever, it might be different. But that's because they have a government that's not based on any really kind of freedom. It's, it's a dictatorship. So you have to move those out of the side and realize that before that they can live free, they have to have a government that allows them to live somewhat free. But if you have a government that allows you to live somewhat free, even if they, they're throwing an overhand with as far as how much they're taking from people based on taxes and, and whatnot, because you understand how to earn more money, uh, it's not that you don't have to pay it, but it's not. it doesn't affect you the way that it would affect somebody whose income is not going to change when the the prices of the things that they have to pay for every day begin to increase. And that's, I mean, if, if you just think about the insanity that goes along with those ideas when prices go up for something, but income doesn't go up, you know, it's crazy when you look at what people have to do, how they live, what they think, what they get involved with, it's nuts. And, there, and there's nobody on that level that is teaching anything about how do we show these individuals literally how to make whatever amount of money they want to live the way that they want and not have to be concerned with it. But the most disconcerting thing about it, I think, is that people are so 
excuse me, they're so rooted in this idea that there's not enough that even hearing what I'm talking about right now for the last 15 minutes or so is very difficult to hear because it's not their experience in the world, which you have to understand, right? It's not your experience, it's not your experience. But one of the things that make it so difficult to break through the blind spot is that we have this attachment to, to the money itself that is attached to our basic survival. It's no different than being attached in the very beginning with your mother or with your father or the people that took care of you. That becomes the thing that's in charge of your life and your life has to bend to the rules of that situation. It's the same thing with money. To break free of it though, you have to start giving yourself a new experience as to the giving and the receiving of the money. You have to do both things. If you only do one, because I know lots of rich people that are unbelievable penny pinchers, you know, misers, so to speak, um, they won't spend a nickel on anything because they don't understand that principle. They think they're winning just by their sheer, you know, uh, in, in intellect as far as how well that they can drive bargains and, and all of that stuff. You have to do both to be able to break free from it because you have to internalize the experience of what that's actually like. So let's remember, um, give full value to receive full value. And I always suggest people start where they are. Start where you are, but, but push it a little bit. You know, I did the whole exercise where I would go out and, and start like asking people for 20 bucks and see if what it would be like to actually have somebody give you money without any intention behind it. And then also the giving of money, giving money away without any intention behind it, other than allowing yourself to ease into the experience where you don't feel that tightness inside of yourself when you give a substantial, like a hundred bucks or something to somebody for no reason whatsoever. You feel it in your body. You, I mean, you can sense that there's something that's not right, but everybody has to do those exercises to move through it where it doesn't grip you anymore, okay? So I just wanted to share that today. I thought it was a, an interesting thing. We haven't really talked about this for a while, so I wanted to put this back out there. Um, and, you know, think about it. Really go over what Holly, if you have working with the law, go over what Hollywell's talking about it. And if you're not doing that, start trying to do that on both ends of the financial spectrum. Give some and receive some. Give full value, receive full value. Allow yourself to energetically open up to it because the rewards when you get fully open are absolutely unbelievable. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.